For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, sir. Hello, Dan. And this evening we're going to talk uh, booze a little bit. Uh, Pierre Manta of Artist in Residence Distilleries will be with us, a new distiller here uh, based in Quebec and that is on the way. Plus we'll be talking about bankruptcies with uh, Patrick Sullivan, trustee at FL. That's a little bit later in the show and lots more on the program. But first, as usual, Josh, some news and notes. Uh, let's begin with um, just a very nice Gazette profile of uh, a company that we had on the show uh, just a couple years ago, a company that um, continues to rise. <laughs> very good, Dan. You're just playing on those words. Yes, yeah. uh, Rise Kombucha. We had Julian Giacomelli, and uh, it was a it was a great story, uh, and uh, it it was just uh, you know I wanted to give a shout out because the article was was a little less in depth than our our interview of him uh, a few years ago. Now I think it was in 2016. And, but he's still going strong, you know, over a hundred people, uh, kombucha, you know, they, they took on kombucha when it was early on. So they were, they, they were really leaders and they are leaders in that, in that industry. So just wanted to give a shout out to Julian and, uh, and rise kombucha, uh, great, great story that just continues to flow. Actually, they, they came out of crudescence and crudescence, which is a, a vegan or vegetarian, uh, restaurant or kind of fast, not fast food, but kind of smaller places. Uh, and they kind of, with since kombuchas, you know, healthy and organic or whatever is in it. So they, they continue with that. Anyhow, just want to give a shout out to Julian. I saw that article in the Gazette uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, we've seen these stories before, retailer turned wholesaler, you know, they see something building on the ground and they're like, oh, okay, I can, maybe I can distribute this. Exactly. Um, let's talk about elevator pitches for a moment here, because this is something that I find so difficult. How, how first of all, this, this, there's this article here uh, that from Inc.com about uh, with with some tips about how to deliver a good elevator pitch. Uh, but let me ask you, Josh, what 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 are some essential elements to a good uh, a good elevator pitch? Uh, c- keep it short and on point. You know, it's it's if you have an elevator pitch that's two minutes long. Uh, elevators don't always take that long. I mean, unless you're in the wrong building or you're in the Burj Khalifa and it's however many stories they go up. But really, keep it short. Uh, make sure that it clearly states what you do. And even if it doesn't clearly state it, at least give them a direction. So that kind of gives them a reason to ask a little bit more. Do you have an elevator pitch, Dan? I used to have one planned out and then I dropped it and then I I really don't have a good one now. If someone asks me what I do for a living, it's like a five minute explanation. It's like, well, we do public relations and some content, but not the bad kind of content, the good content. It's, it's a little <laughs> so rambling. You're, 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 st- you're still working on it. <laughs> working so on the it. keeping it short uh, is, isn't that good. But, you know, when you do get it, you know, try it out, you know, practice it. Uh, try it out in, in public to people that you don't really know and kind of mm. gauge their reaction. And definitely... Uh, there's not necessarily one elevator pitch. You can have several things or several phrases to describe you. It doesn't have to be the same all the time, and it could be different depending on your audience. So don't always keep the same thing for years and years and years for one thing. Have some variety. So do you, should you rehearse different versions of the pitch depending on who you're in the elevator with, like a, a, a CEO versus the head of a union or something? I mean, I, I think you're uh, absolutely. There are different circumstances. You know, are you uh, are you talking to somebody that's um, you know multinational company, or are you talking to a one man show entrepreneur? Hmm. You know, who are you talking to, and 
but practicing, practice with everything, any presentation. An elevator pitch is just like a presentation. And when we spoke about that a week or two ago, it was always practice. Practice, 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 because it has to flow off. It, if you have to think about it as you're saying it, it's just not, it's just not going to be natural. Here's a one from entrepreneur.com, how to consistently close those high ticket clients. Um, that's, this is an interesting one. So, you know, you could be, uh, you could have, you could have a good business going, you could sort of have a lot of small, medium sized businesses. But when, if you want to go to the next level, how do you inspire that confidence of someone who has big bucks to spend? Well, I, I think it's, it's coming back to an, a bit of a theme in a couple of these articles this week, communication. How are your communication skills? If they're great, well, then that's certainly going to help you. It's going to help you be clear. It's going to help you be concise. It's going to help get your point across. But if you have poor communication skills, if you're always searching for words all the time, if you're always kind of um, 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 and not the, notwithstanding the fact that we sometimes do this on this program, if you if you have a lot of breaks and pauses and ums, well, then you won't be clear and you're going to look like you're fumbling and you're going to look like you're not exactly sure what you're talking about. So, and if you want to close a sale, somebody that is going to give you business, they want to, they want you to be confident. So definitely the message has got to be absolutely crystal clear. Know your audience, who you're talking to, you know, are you talking again to a, a big multinational? Are you talking to a smaller company? Talk at their level, know who is in the room, uh, at all times, just so you can, and if there's multiple different people in the room, then try to connect with a, a few of those different people. And I think the, the, the other thing is it's, Notwithstanding what level you're at in your company, try to have that kind of CEO mindset. You know, kind of when you're talking to them, just have that full understanding and breadth of what a you know, like your own your 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 own metier, your your what you do for a living, and also do your homework and understand the audience in front of you. But come off as the expert. Come mm. off as always having the answer. Uh, it's okay to sometimes not have the answer. Hopefully it's not in an obvious place where you won't get the job, but, but really know, know your stuff and that confidence level. It's like, you know, I, I, I always talk about presence. You know, when you're in a room, if you have presence, you can command the room. Presence doesn't necessarily mean a big guy with a loud voice. Presence is just your, your whole comportment and, and how you really come off in a room and how you speak, you know, whether it's eloquent, whether it's choppy. So there's a whole aspect. If you can have presence in a room, that certainly helps. The one thing I remember from uh, from the bit of business school that I did at uh, John Molson was uh, was was just how you different from your competitors. You know, what's the one thing that you want to highlight that makes you different from the pack? Which I suppose is pretty good advice to remember for an elevator pitch too. Absolutely, you know, it's but it's also leave them, let them ask you questions, find a way so that whatever you say, they can ask questions. A monologue does not help anybody sell. Interaction, interactive, thought-provoking, that helps. This from Financial Post, how your small business can win with big global markets, exporting made easier. Um, this is becoming easier for more and more Canadians uh, who even are in small business to uh, to sell to other markets. You know, the, the reason I wanted to chat about this article quickly is that there are a lot of companies, a lot of businesses that sell outside of Quebec, outside of Canada. We've profiled many of them on the program, but they're still not enough. They're still Far too many. If you look at, you know, CFIB, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, they do these polls all the time. And there is, there's a low percentage, maybe about a quarter of businesses that they polled export. 
but there's no doubt about it, there is a huge world out there. We are 35 million people only. Uh, and and just to, the, just to the south of us, we're 10 times population. Europe, we're definitely close. Asia, obviously there's a market. You have to understand it. It's not necessarily the easiest thing. There are some barriers, but there are markets out there. And if you only sell to Canada, while you can do okay, you will never do as well as if you get out there. And there are there are people to help export. EDC, Export Development Canada, they're there. Even the Trade Commissioner Service offices. Uh, you know, people don't think of these consulate offices, the, the consulars, the consul general, and their trade commissioners that they have, that Canada has placed throughout the world. They can actually be a huge help. And they're not just for big companies. They have the ability to help any entrepreneur. They are on, they are on the ground, local on the ground, where you want to go to, and they can be a huge resource for people. And finally, from entrepreneur.com, eight essential calendar management skills. Uh, this one is tough for a lot of entrepreneurs. How to get your, your time in order. It is. And, you know, everybody, how many times do you hear, I don't have enough hours in a day? You know, are you, are you scheduling? Are you handling things right? We've spoken about efficiency uh, in previous programs. So I'll kind of, you know, walk through uh, a few of them pretty quickly. Uh, consolidate, you know, how many calendars do you have? <laughs> Some people I know have several calendars, so consolidate your calendars. Create some type of routine, you know. That's, that's, you know, it says it. I don't really believe in that because it's almost impossible, depending on your business, to create a routine. But definitely uh, eliminate the back-to-back appointments. You know, how often do people say, okay, I have something at 9, then 10, then 11, then 12, then 1? Well, that's great. It makes you, you feel like you're getting a lot accomplished, but what are you missing out? What do you keep? What keeps falling through? What could keep falling through the cracks? How many emails are piling up? That's just gonna, you know, kill you afterwards. So take and some time late. between and arriving late to things. So there's uh, <laughs> the hardest thing goes, of course, to say no. If you can't and you don't have the time to do it, say no. But that's a hard thing to do. It's every standard answer when you ask an entrepreneur, "How are you doing?" Oh, so busy. I can't. No, 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 no time in the day. I mean, we all say that. And and and, and and I might say it occasionally, but I always add. The opposite is worse. All right, let's get into it. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800. We're going to talk about distilling in a minute. Pierre Manta of Artist-in-Residence Distilleries joins us, and we'll talk about uh, bankruptcy later on in the show and how to prepare for that uh, hope thing, the thing that hopefully never happens to your business. Uh, but Pierre is next, and that is coming up on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And our guest this evening is Pierre Manta of Artist-in-Residence Distilleries. Pierre, welcome to CJD. Thank you. And Josh, uh, let's begin with the easiest question of the, the night. The easiest question as we do each week, uh, we'll turn to Pierre and uh, what is Artist in Residence Distillery? Artist in Residence Distillery. That's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, first of all, I didn't come up with that name. I wasn't that smart. It's Pierre Bernard from uh, Montreal that came up with that name. Artist in Residence Distillery is kind of an open... It's an open chapter for all kinds of artists to come in the distillery. Um, he had a vision that maybe we're going to do more than vodka or gin. Uh, he was probably right. We have twirl brands coming up, and that's only the beginning. So artists in the distillery, each brand is an artist himself. So it's it's not you that's coming up with all the recipes. It's it's other artists that are bringing in certain 
I mean, you might get final say. Like, how does that work exactly? Yes, yeah, so we do a lot of collaboration. Um, am I saying that right? Collaboration. Colla- right. Collaboration. Yeah, so if, you're, if I'm bad in English, sorry, I can't even speak French. So yeah, we do a lot of collaboration um, from uh, the name of the brands, uh, the label, uh, the product itself. It's all kind of, uh, we're an open, you know, we do a lot of color. So we're kind of an open book. Because there's a lot of step. We did uh, that distillery. Is, it's kind of a big distillery, so you can't do everything. So it's producing right now roughly 200,000 bottles. And it probably can produce, if it runs max, 3 million bottles. So you can't do the steel production, marketing, logistic. So what were you doing before this? Before that, I'm a truck mechanic. I'm a typical redneck. So uh, I like trucks. When I say truck, I don't talk pickups. I like tractor trailers. So... My dad, his name is Pierre, so I'm Pierre, so I just did whatever dad do, and I just follow him, truck mechanic, truck mechanic, truck mechanic, and uh, he, used to, he used to have cars, and we used to build cars, and I realized now at 50 that I like to build, and mechanic was okay, I know, I love mechanic, but don't get me wrong, but I like more building, so race car was m- most about building race cars, so I didn't realize till 40 or 45 I like to build stuff. Now, when you, when you're, when you build, you have your own facility, right? Yes. And you... How to, did the vision of your facility, how it turned out, was that how you pictured it in your mind? No, of course not. Uh, my wife uh, would tell me I changed mine about 24 times a day. Um, it was supposed to be completely different, but I think uh, I surrounded myself with designers and they helped me with the architect. And that was a fight. That was funny because I think I'm a designer. I'm an architect. Um, I'm really nothing. I just try to pick and choose and I try to commit to something. But I like to do stuff that nobody can do and try to think outside the box uh a distillery doesn't look like a normal distillery it looks like a building i don't know black and white it's got all the fancy curves it's got a bar upstairs it doesn't look that typical you know old style distillery and i thought uh that was an open thing i like to do and i said you know i think now people when they go to a restaurant they want to see the kitchen they want to see the chef and they say it's all going to be glass there's no lying you see everything what's what happens inside we often talk about transferable skills from entrepreneurs who are in one business and then go to another. What what kind of skills did you bring to this to this project from trucking? I don't know. That's a good question. I think I'm insane. I think I'm insane. Uh, when I get something I want to do, I just go crazy about it. You know, I try to live it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and I think when you're passionate, you don't realize. You know, I I said to people, I don't work. I, ju- I just have fun. Um, so I think you got to find what drives you. When this is the silly project, what drives me was not really the liquor itself. Is the limitless what you can do? You know, we can do three times of vodka. We we can do. All kinds of stuff. It's an open book. This image, this sky's the limit in this project. Now you're you're have these new products and they're displayed in front of us. It's three in front of us: uh, vodka light, wax wing, and May Mayhaven. Mayhaven. And you're getting them in the store. You're getting it out to people. Marketing has got to be a huge aspect to it. What did you do for marketing? Or what are you doing that's working? Well, I'm doing tests and, and tests error. Am I saying that? Tests and uh, mistakes. Yeah. Believe me, this is only a fuck up from day one. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I'm getting better now because as you sp- spend a lot of money, you learn a lot. So uh, marketing is something I need to get better at. And I'm. this is my focus for the next year. Really focus on marketing because... Uh, Let's be honest, liquor's cool. First two years, you can run on the local stuff if you're lucky, third year. After fourth year, this is only about marketing. If you're not a good marketing company, this will fall down. 
but you've already started some of the marketing. Yeah, I did mistakes. Um, you know, at this point, uh, I did like we just started this maybe like a month ago. I went to TSN, and that was a good thing. TSN was not a problem, but we didn't put there was no message. So you just can't put a bottle there. It's just it's a nice bottle. So the mistake I made is I should have learned the the message I was sending that, and I didn't send a message because um, I'm my name is Pierre Matu. You can't be more French than moi. Je peux pas plus français que moi, and my mom is English. Uh, but I, when I do brands, uh, I think about export exportation. So you, the name is important, and we can't say it in English. It could be a turnoff to where you want to go. So the names are got to be simple, cool. Again, Maven, these are all names that we invent. Uh, when you're going to start exporting, name is really important because trademarking name is really important. So uh, Waxwing is a bird. So Vodka Light is something I knew. Um, but are, but I'm getting beaten in, in Quebec because, you know, I'm there's no French feel to it. So we're going to bring back the French feel to it. But the distillery, Artisan Residence and Distillery, is located where? In Gatineau, Quebec. You know, it's in my home. So uh, why? Is that, is that why you're Gatineau? Because that's where you grew up? I grew up in Gatineau. That's where I was growing. Yeah, I was built. I was created or whatever. I was born. Yeah. <laughs> and is Gatineau good for sourcing product? I mean, are you there because it's it's good for the production side of it or just because it's home? Really, to be honest, it, it was home for me. And uh, why I started the distillery there, we just, uh, I knew there was spring water in that area and we, we dig a, a hole and there was spring water and I said, hey, this is a sign. So... Still, you need spring water. You just, you, or you can take water from the tap, and that's okay. I wanted spring water, and it was corn. There's about uh, two kilometers of corn in the back, and these are the cre- main ingredients to do an alcohol. So I said, hey, so this is cool. We have our spring water, corn in the backyard. It's got the craft feel. Let's put some copper steel like back in the day and uh, make your own liquor. Are you vertical? Is it your corn or is it somebody else's? It's this not. It's, so the corn is, is Famille de Jardin. It's in the backyard. So Famille de Jardin don't own two kilometers of corn, but what they do is take current. They, they, they work on all the corn in the backyard, but we don't own the land, no. Not yet. <laughs> is that something, do you think, like how far do you think ahead? Do you, and did you, did you have a business plan or like what's, what's, what is the, the guy? Do you just wake up in the morning and decide what you want to do? Or are you really, you're a longer term thinker? I'm a long-term thinker, but I have ADD, so I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. But so I'm trying to overthink, and I try, and I can't stop. Uh, what happened is uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I knew from day one I wanted to do brands and export, but the plan changes all each month as we grow when we learn what's going on and what we can do. Um, what's going to stop us is cash. You know what I mean? This is cool, but you know you can you control money. There's a point you have to stop and say, where are you going with this? No, it's great, and uh, and there's so much to talk about. Certainly, getting into the SAQ and working with them—that's, uh, I'm sure, a story in and of itself. So when we come back, we'll hear about that and a few other things. Pierre Manta with us from Artist in Residence Distilleries. We'll have more of a story. Plus, Patrick Sullivan on the way, trustee at FL. Uh, that is coming up on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we're in conversation with Pierre Manta of Artist in Residence Distillery. Uh, they're, they're pretty new. It's been a few years now, and uh, they're out of Gatineau. And um, Pierre was saying how he was uh, a truck mechanic before this and liked building things and decided to just take a chance on his own distillery. And um, Pierre, let's talk about the, the difference of um, launching this kind of product in Quebec versus the rest of Canada. In Quebec, we talk a lot about terroir, the importance of locally grown ingredients. Do you find that in other markets as well? Um, well, I don't think so. We just started in Quebec and we're working with our LCBO and that's Ontario. The Quebecers, uh, and I'm Quebec, uh, they want to feel the Quebec. You know what I mean? I think it's an add-on. Um, if you don't have that, that's okay. You better have your marketing game on. Uh, but if you got a French name, a French look, and a French, your French, I think you got you got you're really ahead of the competition now you're dealing with saq yes how what was that experience like that was interesting saq uh there's a lot of logistic but when you know saq i think it's fair um i think they don't care if you spend five million or five thousand um they'll give you a chance and no we had uh, we had over fifty thousand bottles of vodka light they're just going to take two pallets they don't really care what you have and they go to logistic wise so I think it's fair. They have a good system. Um, I think it's fair. I think it would go. I will. I wish it would go faster. But how long did it take for you to get listed or product in the store? Well, it takes. If you're organizing, we're betting. It takes about three to six months. But if you're not organized, it could take a year. Mm-hmm. So it's all about learning the logistic to get in the system. Did you have a contact there before you got there, or you really started from scratch? No, we had a tacad. So Stefan. I don't know. I'm not sure his second name. That's I'm bad for that. But Stefan Patekad is. Uh, we met him a year ago, and he's a, he started a new agency, new agency, and he knew that. So you need an agency to help you to do logistics. If you just come in, uh, do nothing, it will take you an extra year. You know. So you need somebody in there that does the logistics for you. Now there's SAQ, but you also sell in Ontario, LCBO. How are L- they? LCBO is the biggest in the world, so uh, they don't uh, really care where you're from. What do you mean and the it, biggest in the world? It's so they Ontario. sell spirits. Uh, LCBO sells more spirits in the world than anybody. Wow, spirits! Yeah, if you think about it, so Q seventy percent is wine. If you go to LCBO, it's thirty seventy percent is spirits. Um, and you're talking about US. USA is different because it's each state they can sell. Right. LCBO, I uh, know it's the biggest. So when you apply there, there's five hundred. Li- you're fighting with five hundred brands, five hundred brands, so they'll pick one or two. So you make sure you got your game on and you got all your digest, your logistics ready and your marketing ready. Are there targets? Like do you have to sell a minimum? Uh SBO roughly, depending on the brand. If you don't sell fifty thousand bottles in two years, you're gone for life. SRQ is a little bit is it, Yeah, they'll help you out. They'll I think if SRQ, I think that I think the targets may be five to ten in two to three years. Uh but again, it just won't order again. And Quebec is smaller, so they try to help the Quebecers. So I think I feel that. You know, ASOQ wants to help the Quebec guys. So when you're in a heavily regulated marketplace like this, how do you stand out from the competition? And that's a good question. And that's that's tough. And that's tough. It starts with the name. It's got to start with the label. It's got to start with the story. It's got to with the palette, what it tastes like. It's a combination. And after that's all about marketing. How do you make it stand out? And right now the Quebec the gin is popular. Uh SRQ sells a lot of gin. I think sells more than this LCBO. And gin does in Ontario don't sell gin. They don't it's not a thing. Quebec like gin. Um, but it's tough. Uh, there's 20 more brands, 20 more gin that's coming from Quebec in the next year and a half. So how do you stand out? So you can always play Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. But how do you, a palette is a palette, you know, uh, you like it or you're not. So it's all about marketing. And you'll see more coming in, but you'll probably see more coming out. 
Now, you made a few comments that it's not all about you. There are people, you do have a team around you. So, you know, was it was it hard to find or build that team at the oh, beginning? Oh, yeah, that was hard because I think the theory, they're small or they're huge. There's no middle point. Um, and that was hard for me. I couldn't have a gauge. I had to go to the United States. Even in the United States, it was tough. But we have a, a good little team. Um, I think maybe we're 12. It's a small, we're a small team, but everybody's good at what they're doing. You know what I mean? You you make sure that you're probably the dumbest person in the room because everybody's going to be smart at what they're doing. Because if you're the smartest person in the room, there's something wrong in there. And like your style of, of leadership, what, how would you describe it? I think it's crazy. Uh, I think they don't like me because... I think we've established there's yeah, an insanity level. Yeah, I'm a DD, level. so they say each morning, wake up, okay, what happened now? What is he going to happen? Because I live 24 hours a day on this stuff. So when I say to people, when you're done at five or six, I'm just game on, you know? I, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm, I love what I do. And, you know, it's, you got to be creative and you, you got to be good at what you're doing. This is a tough... This is a tough uh, deal. You and know? you and you do have to be a little bit crazy sometimes. I think you got to be insane to do this because, uh, you know, if you want to do liquor and have fun, that's okay. Uh, but don't forget, you sell that 10 bucks to SOQ. So you need volume to make a profit. And, and the bottle, just the bottle itself, is two, buck, two bucks each. Yeah, just the container itself. Just, just the, that's, only, that's not the cap. That's not the label. That's not the liquid. That's not the time. It's not the marketing. So... So the, the bottle can cost five to six bucks and you got to pay the agency. So you, you know, you, there's no money. You, no, I, it's, it's all about volume, volume. It's all about volume. volume. So you, you built this whole new facility. You're developing all these products. Uh, there's There's got to be some money or some financing that you had to go through. Uh, was it difficult to get some dollars to, to help build your place? Oh, yeah, because distillery li- uh, liquid is a, they call it dream liquid. You know, there's no guarantee. You can do 100,000 of this. If you're not selling, then this is worth nothing. So, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a tough. Uh, uh, I had to refinance all my dealership and they gave me money and uh, and I told them I was going to do distillery and they refused. I said, why? Because it's a distillery. This is a dream project. Who tells that what happened if it doesn't work because it's a write-off? So, I had Sometimes two, they're worried about reputation. Yeah. So, but the Kaiser Jatin, I, you know, I've been, I'm fortunate. I've been in business for 15 years. So, uh, whatever I do, I kind of succeed. Uh, distillery is something out of my league. You know what I mean? This is kind of cool and it drives me. And uh, I believe that, uh, you know, life is short. And if you, you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. So, work at it, plan it, and make it happen. You just have to do some sacrifice and you're going to make it happen. But at the end of the day, did they lend the money? Not because it was a distillery, partially because you had other businesses. It was but I how much say, was you? It was me. I would say ninety percent was me. Um, you know, this logistic wise, can I, we can back it up? Uh, but uh, no, I think banks then finance on person. It's all in front of you. So, can you give me an example of what a, what someone could do if they're faced with their bank manager? You know, how could they distinguish themselves? Uh, I, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think experience. Um, me was a lot, a lot of money. I think it was two million bucks they gave me for the building, and I took whatever money I, I was supposed to be a hundred thousand. I put a million bucks of my money in a distillery extra, plus the equipment. Um, I don't know. I think you got to be honest, and they, they're looking for somebody that's. I don't think I'm organized. I think I'm. I think I'm organized. I think I'm. My weakness was planning, and I'm getting better in the last year in planning. I think I don't plan enough, and I never think I'm going to plan enough. Uh, I plan per hour. If I could have planned half an hour, planning means a lot of time. But um, but I, I what they know about me is I'm a workaholic, and I'm not a money guy. I don't need a Ferrari. I you know I can stop and say you know what. Let's enjoy life and travel. I take the plane. I'm sitting on I-33 beside the bathroom. I'm 51 years old. Do I need this? No. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have fun with this. 
and your team around you. I mean, if you're they they pick up if you have certain weaknesses, they fill the gaps. Yes, that's that's the plan. You know, you you got Pat right now that's beside me. He's in charge of uh, the Quebec. Pat is a passionate guy, knows about people. Uh, my problem is I don't listen, and I, again, I, I need to work on that. Tell each morning I wake up, I need to listen. Uh, but uh, you got to surround yourself that people are really good with communication, marketing, you know, image, liquid production, logistic, accounting, because you can't do it all. Where'd you find your people? I was fortunate I would have a dealership and I have maybe, I think, 75 people, 80 people with me. For my, my finance person was there to the beginning, so I could took my finance people. And uh, I, 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 I'm not afraid and I'm not afraid of nothing. So... I, I looked around and it's more the fit. But the cool the thing about it, Sillery, it, liquor is cool. You know, mm-hmm. everybody, hey, it's cool and we're going to make something cool. Now to make it happen, make it work, that's another, that's another story. But uh, everybody got involved in this and it's kind of cool. And it's, we're, not typical, we're not the typical normal distillery. Now listen, they're, they're beautiful products sitting right in front of us. We haven't tested them yet, but that will, that will come shortly. Thank you very much, Pierre. On the way, uh, we'll have Pierre's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. And coming up next, we're going to change gears a little bit and talk about, uh, well, bankruptcy planning and how that is a central conversation to have uh, for all entrepreneurs. So that is on the way. With a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur on CJD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. Pierre Manta is here from Artist in Residence Distilleries, and his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur is on the way. Uh, but first, Josh, sometimes we have to do talk about bad news on the program, and so Patrick Sullivan is here to talk about a bit of bad news. Sorry, Patrick. Welcome back. <laughs> the evening, gentlemen. Bad news. Bad news. I'm well, the bad news man. Yeah, but you but you look bright and shiny and peppy and smiley. <laughs> Thank so, God. So that's a good thing. The end of a Monday. Uh, you know, when, and nobody loves to talk about bankruptcies, but certainly they do happen. And whether it happens to you or happens to a supplier customer, it's also important to be aware because you might you might be absolutely affected. There is one topic that does come up pretty often when we talk about bankruptcies, and some people may have heard it, some people haven't. But there's what's called preferential payments. Uh, can you can you describe first what they are, and then we can get into a little bit more. Okay. Preferential payments, there's a few sections in the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act that treat exactly that aspect of the business. I'm an entrepreneur. I know my business is having financial difficulties, but I have a few friends, suppliers that I want to sort of protect. So I'm going to make sure that these suppliers get paid, obviously in priority to the suppliers that I do a little less business with or I don't like them. The problem with that is that if the bankruptcy occurs within three months after I've done this, a trustee can attack those transactions and say to my supplier, hey guys, bring me back the money. This is when we're dealing at non-arm's length. If we're dealing arm's length, in other words, I transferred assets or I paid off a relative that the company owed money to, you moved, can, you moved your house to your wife's name. Oh, that happens too. We can go back 12 months in those scenarios. So typically what the trustee will do is he will investigate. He'll make sure that going through the books and records, hey, 
at this particular date, I owed so much money to this supplier. How come at the date of bankruptcy, I don't owe him anything anymore? Now, sometimes people will say, yes, but it's a key supplier and they put a lot of pressure. They wouldn't deliver. doesn't matter. The Bankruptcy Act provides exactly for that. And it's no questions asked. We go to court and we get a judgment right away. So you're 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 talking non-arms length, and you're talking third party that that is arms length. Uh, can is there is it is it easy to distinguish between them? If you're if you're not related to your supplier yet, you're paying them off or paying them faster than other suppliers. Does that does that come into play? Or is that arms length versus non-arms length? No, arms length would be uh, closely related. In other words, family members uh, or uh, shareholders. Those would be really uh, the arm's length category. Non-arm's length, regular suppliers all the way. Obviously, the banks don't get affected by this. Okay, They will recover their money and no trustee will attack that the bank got paid off. Now, there's, there's um, shareholders can get paid dividends or if they're working in the business, they can get paid a salary. Are, and if you're getting paid a salary or you give yourself a dividend, does is one better or not, or is one considered preferential payment or not? Uh, dividend is definitely considered a preferential payment. Salary, if the books indicate that you were getting X dollars a week or X dollars a month in terms of salary, no questions asked, that will not be attacked. But if, but obviously, if bonus, all of a sudden yeah. you haven't received any money for the last six months, and all of a sudden you get paid in full, mm, doesn't look good. Does the entrepreneur or the shareholders have any sway about who gets paid first, or is that an objective assessment? Uh, what do you mean by getting uh, any sway? Well, well, as far as liquidation and, and paying off the creditors that remain? Absolutely not. Okay. Once the company is bankrupt, it's the trustee's responsibility to take those assets and maximize the return on those assets to distribute according to the Bankruptcy Act. And you, I guess at what point... There, there can be pressure put on by suppliers. There can be, you know, if you're if you're trying to make some more money for the rest of the suppliers, you might have to pay off one so you can get the goods, so you can sell it, make some profit, and share with everybody. Where does that line get get drawn? It, it that's the fine line. If we can demonstrate that in order to generate substantial monies, we paid off that supplier because he was holding back the goods chances are we will not attack those types of transactions. There's an economic reason also because we still have to go to court to do this. So I don't think any trustees would attack transactions for $1,000 or $2,000. There's a minimum size of a transaction where we really seriously look at. In today's world, I'd say it's probably anywhere between $20,000, $25,000. So all the smaller suppliers that may have gotten paid, chances are they'll get away with it. And it's easier to find, certainly with technology these days, it's much easier to find where the cash goes in and out. Absolutely. I mean, we have access to bank records. We have access, obviously, to the accounting records, invoices, and whatnot as we take possession of all the assets. So it's pretty easy to go back three months and start looking at the books, compare it to what the monies came out and the checks, and then you can you can figure it out. And if it's wrong, of course, suppliers can just come in and say, well, you really owe me this. Your books are wrong. 
That can happen also, but I mean, technically, if you have a supplier at a certain date, three months prior to the bankruptcy, and all of a sudden he's no longer a creditor on your list, chances are there's there's room for discussion there. Something happened in between, and that's what we investigate on. Uh, definitely lots lots to consider. Uh, hopefully hopefully people never get there, but it's important if you're actually a, a supplier to somebody that's, that's going bankrupt uh, or a customer, then also good information to know. So thanks very much, Patrick. My pleasure. And as we approach the last moments of our shows we do each week, we'll turn to Pierre Manta of Artist in Residence Distillers and ask you, Pierre, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I would say find what drives you. Find what drives you and just make sure you plan it and just work at it. Uh, very succinct, very correct. I think uh, my takeaway, Dan, uh, from this and listening to Pierre on and off air is, you know, you absolutely surround yourself with the right people, but part of it, part of being an entrepreneur is being a little insane. So, and I think Pierre, he he displays that beautifully. Thanks very much. All right, thank you. Pierre Manta of Artist in Residence Distilleries. Uh, thanks for stopping by tonight, Pierre. Uh, thanks to Patrick Sullivan, as usual, trustee at uh, FL, for joining us this evening. And Josh, next week, we're going to talk about the entertainment business. Reflector Absolute. Entertainment. Reflector Entertainment. Should be fun. Next, uh, don't forget, next Monday night here at 7 on uh, CJAD 800 and go to todaysentrepreneur.org if you want to consult a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles here uh, on the show. So uh, todaysentrepreneur.org for all of that. And we'll see you back here next Monday night. Have a good night.